0: Welcome to Wednesday's Together. I'm delighted that you've taken time out of your week to come and to grow deeper in God's Word, and hopefully it'll be a time of refreshing and renewal for you here in the middle of your week. Well, there is this phenomenon that has really uh, catapulted, uh, especially in recent years, now that the modern farmhouse trend has has sort of ruled and reigned in in decorating. And I affectionately refer to this trend as Hobby Lobby Pop Theology. (laughs) Uh, What it is, is you'll find your favorite Bible verse printed on this weathered-looking piece of shiplap, right? In various colors, it may just look like wood, or it may be white or or whatever it is but this beautiful verse will be printed on that and you can find these verses for most any room of your house, right? Verses for your kids or verses for your marriage or verses for gathering when friends and family come over. And listen, I am all for having more exposure to Scripture. And I confess that I have some of those Hobby Lobby pop theology signs uh, throughout my house as well. So I am very grateful for the reminders throughout my day of God's promises, of his goodness, of his mercy, of his love for me. Is anybody else grateful for that? And I would say one of those Hobby Lobby pop theology verses that you might see often is Joshua 24, 15. And the second portion of that in particular, and it reads, but as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. You may know it so well that you could have quoted it with me. Now, I'll tell you, this verse, it's got some staying power. I remember seeing it. Um, Even back when I was a little girl, long before the current decorating trends, I would see it um, on the entryway of a house, um, or you might see it on a plaque in the kitchen, or maybe even on the living room mantle, and it served as a reminder of that family's commitment to live for God. And as we are continuing this All Things New series and really looking at how God made all things new for the children of Israel, how he can do the same thing for us today, it's my hope that we can dig deeper into this verse Look at it in its context and get a better understanding of its full meaning. Not just hear it as a soundbite of Scripture, just see it on a cute little piece of artwork, but... To understand the the power and the significance of those words when they were spoken, you see, this verse is part of some concluding remarks that were given by Joshua. He's approaching the end of his life, and he wanted to he wanted his final words to matter. He wanted his final words to count. Throughout this "All Things New" series, we've discussed various aspects of the children of Israel possessing the promises of God, and how Joshua had faith to lead them through every single obstacle they encountered. And you see this verse. It's just kind of the crescendo of of this entire book of Joshua, this entire journey, because it's a powerful declaration by a champion of the faith. He's calling his own people, these people he has been shepherding for these years, to live out what they knew to be true. And today, I'll tell you, it still serves for us as a bold proclamation to live what we know to be true as well. This passage begins with Joshua giving them a history lesson of sorts. Actually, it begins with God speaking to them, highlighting what he has done for them. He starts with reminding them of how he brought Abraham, their father, to a new land, and he delivered Israel out of Egyptian bondage through the hand of Moses and Aaron. And then he talks about the mighty red sea all the way from there to the misery they experienced in the wilderness from roaming aimlessly to crossing the Jordan and to conquering Canaan, giving them cities they did not build and vineyards they did not plant. And throughout this journey, They possessed their promised land by obeying God. Now, that's a powerful, incredible, amazing story that still rings true today. And the the passage then shifts from God reminding them to Joshua speaking to them. And you may wonder, well, Joshua, what could you possibly add to that? What Joshua's adding to that is a call to action. Let's read Joshua Chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, are you going back there, (laughs) or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I think I need to pause right here and ask the question. Okay, God just, he just painted the most beautiful picture of deliverance, of faithfulness, of love, of mercy, of all that he had done for the children of Israel. And after all God had brought them through, the question that I have is how on earth were they still following false idols? How on earth were they still following the paths of the people that were living in the land that they're supposed to be possessing, but they're letting them influence them? How were they serving these false idols? I mean, you made it to your promised land, <laughs> but you still want to keep some of Egypt with you? God brought you out of Egypt, but you did not get the Egypt out of you. Come on, somebody, because this is what happens. This is what happens so many times when we forget the work that God has done for us. We forget his power. It's so very easy to return back to those sinful, fleshly ways. And I would just humbly offer this before we get too high on our high horses, it's probably not that different from us today, right? You see, Joshua, he was at the end of his life and he wanted to make sure that his life counted. With everything within him, he wanted his legacy to be that he led well and the children of Israel were faithful to their covenant with Jehovah God. And I want to point out that when Joshua called the people to make a choice, (laughs) you may may not see it this way just as you're reading it, there really wasn't a choice to make. When he's saying, choose you this day, oh, he's calling them to action. And, of course, they had to decide their path. They had to choose their commitment. They had to determine if they were, would remain faithful to their covenant. But Joshua wasn't really giving them these two paths to choose. Okay, well, you could do this or you could do that. Just just make a decision. Just do what you think is best. No, no. Uh, There is no choice between serving the living Jehovah God and following the lifeless gods of the Amorites in whose land they are living. I'm telling you, there is no choice between serving our King Jesus and serving the false gods of this world today. Does anybody believe that? There's no choice. We have to make the decision... But it's such an easy decision to make. The challenge is in being faithful to those vows. The challenge is in doing the right thing day in, day out. And so Joshua carefully reiterated the entire history of the nation in their ears, reminding them of the power of the God they served. How their God brought them through every bondage and he brought them through every battle. And then Joshua just simply stated the obvious choice that they should make. And he did that by setting an example. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He grabbed their attention in such a powerful way that Joshua garnered an immediate response. Verses 16 through 18 read, Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to to serve other idols, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us up. And our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, the very ones that you called out that were chasing after their false idols. He drove them out too who lived in the land, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Now, when we hear that, that sounds awesome. Hey, hey, they got the message and they're responding. They want to do what's right. I mean, like that should be end of story, right? I mean, right there, that, <laughs> that should be the end. And I'll tell you that as a preacher, that's the kind of response you want. That's the kind of response you want. You want to hear the word preached and then you want someone to say, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll do, I'll do what, what you've asked, Lord, I'm going to surrender. He carefully laid it out before them and they responded positively and they committed to obey the call to be faithful to that covenant. And so At that point, it seems like things should just be that way happily ever after, right? It's a done deal. Maybe when we come to the altars here, or if you're watching online and you make your living room or you make your car an altar and you make those commitments, it seems like that should be the end of the story, right? But see, Joshua knows that it's easier to give lip service without life change. There's times when a powerful word will be preached across this pulpit, and it is easy in an act of of emotion, and times when our hearts are pure and tender before the Lord to say, Lord, I will go, I will do, I will be, I will consecrate, I will surrender, and then pick right back up, pick right back up the bondage that we left here at the altar, And that's no different for us today than it was for Joshua and it was for the children of Israel. And Joshua knows, he knows exactly how hard that is. And remember, he's near the end of his life and he wants this message to count. He wants them to know that the choice has a cost. The choice has a cost. You see, Joshua's call, it was intended to encourage everybody to make the right choice. To convince them there is no other choice, this is the only way, this is the only right way to go, to reject the false gods and to commit to obeying and to trusting the true and living God of Israel. And so they were obviously moved by Joshua's impassioned plea because then altogether they began to shout, we will certainly not abandon the Lord. We will certainly not abandon the one true God to worship these false gods. But Joshua, in his wisdom, he could not simply accept what they were saying in this emotional moment, okay? Okay. He had to warn them about what this kind of allegiance would require. He had to warn them that their God is a jealous God, that they could not straddle the fence, that if they were thinking they could go back and forth between false gods and the one true Jehovah God, they would face certain disaster. Verses 19 through 20 read, Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the God. You are not able to serve the Lord because he is a holy God. Now, that probably wasn't very um, encouraging, was it? You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Now, folks, he's not saying there's no grace and there's no mercy. Even in the Old Testament, there was. But there was no place in living for God for them to try to have their feet planted in both kingdoms. And that's what he was speaking to. That's what he was speaking to, this double-mindedness, the I want the best of both worlds. Now, I want you to picture this. Picture this mighty man of God, 110 years years old. He is crying out to them, telling them, don't follow the gods of comfort. Don't follow the gods of comfort. We heard Sunday about this in a powerful way, about how the place of comfort is not always a place of safety. And just as they struggled with following the false gods of their culture. I know it's true that we look in all the wrong places for the peace, for the fulfillment, for the love that only comes from God. We look to the false gods of career and money, to the false gods of acceptance and followers, to the false gods of even family and friends. Even blessings that God has given us, we can elevate them over place and the priority where God should be in our lives. And see, Joshua, he already knew what it meant to follow God's voice when nobody else did. If you'll remember Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two spies who had faith in God's promise when they were scoping out the land. They're the only ones who actually believed they could take the promised land. And Joshua was willing to stand by his faith in the greatest of odds, he had faith in the greatest God against all odds that he would bring them through. Now, just before his death, in his final sermon, Joshua was standing boldly on that faith again. He had just a few days to live, and he wanted the people to know that, That choosing the one true God means giving our total, wholehearted commitment to him and to him alone. And his life modeled that for them. Now at the end of his life, Joshua would proclaim that message one final time. He wanted them to know what it really meant to serve God before they made a flippant commitment. You see, covenant isn't something we just say in a moment. I know in 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 our world where marriage is just another piece of paper, it's not worth a lot it's not worth much more than the ink that's dried on there that we can enter into covenant and 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 sue our way right out of it, <laughs> right? That, that's not what God has for us. That's, that's not what he has for us in the marriage covenant. And that's certainly not what he has for us as believers in covenant relationship with him. And so what he knew was that, hey, you might be making this vow, this commitment, this pledge to God, and you may say it in a flippant way, not counting the cost, but he wanted them to know you can't straddle the fence, You can't straddle the fence. You need to choose, and you need to choose well, and then you need to keep that commitment. You must have your heart solely focused on God. It means that every decision you make is focused on the covenant that you made with God. You are His child, and that means you will follow His ways. Folks, we can't be surface Christians. We can't be in-name-only Christians, okay? We must forsake the idols of this world. We must forsake the idols of power and prestige and worldly passion. We must forsake the idols of fear and doubt and unbelief. We've got to have a deep, abiding faith that calls us to trust God for everything And my dear friends, I I truly do hate to to burst our bubbles today. But, you know, you can adorn every single wall in your home with beloved scriptures. You can end every single convo with, well, oh, I'm going to be praying with you. God bless you. And, And you can know exactly when to say amen. When the preacher's preaching, you can clap just at the right times. You can know all the church songs. You can do all of that and not be faithfully serving God. As committed believers in a covenant relationship with God, that means we serve him. That means our lives are bought with a price and our purpose is his purpose. We surrender our lives over to him in all things, not just when it's convenient, not just when we are riding the waves of the blessings of God, not we're going to wait until covid is over. No, my friends, we serve God faithfully at all times. Matthew 6, 24 tells us, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, we faithfully serve him and we cast down every thought that rears its ugly head against his kingship in our lives. I want you to know there is power and when when these when these thoughts come against you. When oppression comes from our enemy, you can cast that down in the name of Jesus. You need to learn how to do that. You need to say, Satan, flee from me. (laughs) You better depart from me right now. You need to say, these are lies from the enemy. I know that I am beloved. I know I'm a child of God. I know that his perfect love casts out all fear. You need to say some scriptural affirmations over your life so that you can win that war of the mind. You can gain control of the battle by warring in the spirit. That's what we are called to do. Our faith is in the Bible and our faith is in the God of the Bible. We are committed to this faith community because this is where God has rooted and planted us. And so we're going to be faithful here. We're going to be serving here. We're going to be investing our time and our talent and our treasures here. And we are convinced that this is the time for revival. I hope as I'm saying these words, you're feeling something stirring in your spirit right now as you hear this. I wonder if we can just thank God for his victory. I wonder if we can just thank God for his goodness and for his mercy and his grace that is upon each one of us and that is upon the sanctuary church right now. Let's praise him right now for all that he is doing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. Joshua called the people to action. He had already stirred their hearts, but then he warned them, count the cost, count the cost. And the people renewed their covenant with God. They knew what they're getting themselves into. They knew that this was the only good path. And so they made that decision Verses 24 through 27 say the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord, our God. We will obey him alone. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions. As a reminder of their agreement, he took a huge stone. Remember those memorial stones that we talked about are in the Bible? A lot of places, this is another one of those. He took a huge stone and he rolled it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. See, in the Bible, there are a lot of if-then promises. If-then promises. They're very common throughout Scripture. The people of Israel, in this instance, they counted the cost, and they renewed their commitment to God. Joshua created a huge memorial to that covenant, to that renewal of covenant, to remind them in the future and to remind them, hey, God has commanded you to do this. Now do it. Now this is a promise that you made. You know, as your pastor, I'd absolutely love it, love it, if I got to only tell you the good stuff. I would love that. It would be fabulous if my job description said to only share things that people actually want to hear. I I think that would be great. (laughs) But the Bible calls us, to share the truth in love. And of course, we are committed to that here at the Sanctuary Church. And Joshua was too. And so Joshua here in this passage, he was sharing some tough love with them. He told them, if you keep God's commandments, you will be blessed. But if you go back on your word to God, then you will face disaster. You see, we all know there are consequences to bad choices, right? We all know that. Unfortunately, most of us, probably all of us, we've probably all experienced that on some level, right? But I want you to know that there are blessings from our obedience. There are blessings from our obedience. I want you to know that when you trust God, when you obey him, when you obey his word, he honors that. Life may not be perfect, but it can be peaceful. You will still have trials, but you can experience triumph. Is anybody grateful for that? As we wrap up tonight, here's the best thing that I can do. The best thing that I can do is to find a way to help us apply this message. Because I don't want anybody listening to this and thinking, great, I, I have to make a commitment. I, I need to, if I make the commitment, I don't need to break my vow. This feels so overwhelming. I don't think I can accomplish this. I don't know how I can make this happen. And the good news is you don't have to make it happen. Your God is already giving you the power. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you've got the power to overcome every obstacle that you will ever face on your Christian journey. But I want to give you some practical takeaways for how to choose this day and then how to stay faithful to that choice. Okay, so so first thing I want to just remind us of is to remember what God has already done. That's what this passage started with. God brought to their remembrance. Remember this? You didn't think you could make it. Remember this? Remember this? Remember, hey, hey, Lisa. Remember when you prayed for that baby? You, you. The doctor said you'd never have one. Look at that boy who's taller than you. Look at that boy who's brilliant, who has a heart to serve God. Look at that boy who loves. He loves life and who is larger than life. That's a walking, living, breathing example of my power and the fulfillment of my promises in your life. Folks, there is nothing like reminding yourself of the testimony, reminding yourself of the things that God has done for you. And if we remind ourselves of God's blessings, it is easier to trust him for the future and to stay faithful to his commands. A a thankful heart, a grateful heart, a faith-filled heart. It's a lot easier to stay faithful to God's commands when we walk in that. The other thing that I want you to think about is the fact that there is absolutely no way possible for you to forge through in victory if you are straddling the fence. So I'm saying today, don't engage in fence straddling. There is no such thing as having the best of both worlds. Folks, there may be pleasure in this world for a season, but it's just for a season. But I want you to know there is no pleasure that can beat the peace of God and a clear conscience knowing that you are walking in what God has for you. We are called to be in this world and not of this world. And to do this, the way we do this, the way that that we don't straddle the fence we choose and not add we choose and not add what do i mean by that i mean we choose god's best to be our very top priority whatever god has for me that's my number one priority i don't just add god to my life i don't say this is my life and now i'm going to add in uh you know i'll just i'll i'll watch i'll i'll watch online i'll get i'll catch it next week uh no 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 we don't add in God to what we're already doing. We make God the center and then we order the rest of our life around that. We make his priorities our whole lives. That's how we successfully live in a way that doesn't straddle the fence. And the other uh, the other piece that I think will really help us to to sort of give us this action plan to put these feet to our faith is to eliminate all idols from your life. Eliminate all idols from your life. Identify these idols. Follow your time. Follow your money. Follow your affections. Folks, it's really easy to see what's important to us. Where do you spend your money? How do you spend your time? Where do you invest your talents? That's a very easy way to see what, what the idols are in our lives because they leave a pretty clear trail. And then when you when you follow them, then remove those idols from your life. And I want you to know you better be prepared for an internal fight. These battles have to be won every single day. You see, God gives us gifts and he gives us talents and he gives us financial blessings. All these things come from God, but then do we surrender them back to him? Do we allow him to redeem what he has done, what he has blessed us with. Do we give that over to him to use? Do we sanctify and consecrate that for his purposes? And see, that's the battle that has to happen every single day. But I want you to know you have the strength to win those battles. You can commit to stay the course by humbling yourself every single day in prayer. Just as the generation of Israelites were surrounded by the gods of their day, our generation is also surrounded by many gods. Anything and everything that we are more attached to than we are attached to God himself, folks, those are idols, and they must be torn down. But I want you to know that Joshua's declaration is just as powerful for us today as it was for his generation. And we can declare, we can speak that over us right now. We can boldly say together, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I'm just asking you tonight, we're going to pray here now. I'm just asking you, is your mind made up? Are you ready to serve the Lord? Do you know where you stand with God? Is he your chief priority? Are the things of God the most important things to you? Folks, I want you to know, I want you to know in this age, in this final age that we are living in, there is no room for neutrality. Every single person has a God. Every single person has a God and every single person chooses to serve that God. You can't just simply say, I, I'm going to choose to keep this part of my life away from this God. No, no, no. You choose to serve a God by the actions, by the choices that you make every day. You may not know that you're making a choice, but it's but it is absolutely setting your destiny. And I want you to know, you can't choose the one true God. You can't choose. Jesus Christ by accident. You can't choose him by default. You can't choose him because you were raised in a Christian home. You must choose this day for yourself. Make your choice. Choose your God. Choose the path of Jesus Christ. And I know I'm trusting right now you're going to make that right choice. You're going to count the cost. And you're going to trust the power of the Lord to keep you committed to that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why don't we pray right now? Dear God, we stand on your promises. We stand on your word. We trust in you. Lord, we have no desire for the best of both worlds. That is a lie from the enemy. We have no desire to straddle the fence. We have one affection, and that affection is you. We have one purpose, and that purpose is you. We have one desire, and that desire is you. Now, Lord, I pray that you turn our eyes to you. Take our minds off of the idols of this world, and help us eliminate them. Help us get rid of them from our lives so that we can stay committed. Lord, so that your light will shine through us. God, we know that you are making all things new in us, in the sanctuary church, and we are so grateful to be part of that. So this day, we choose you above all. We choose Jesus over everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so grateful that you've joined us tonight. If your contact information has changed, or if there's anything that we can do to serve you, why don't you fill out a Connect card? Maybe you're wanting to take another step in the Lord. Maybe you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, and you want your sins washed away. You've asked God to forgive you, and that's powerful, and that's beautiful. And now those sins can be forgotten forever. We can baptize you right in the middle of a pandemic. Don't worry about that. We'll do it safely. Reach out and let us know. Let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know how we can support you. We are here for you. We're so excited for all that God is doing, and we can't wait to see you back Sunday in person at 1030 a.m., online at 1030 a.m. and 7 p.m. God bless you. We love you.